All right. Today we're only going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 in 1 Peter chapter 5. First four verses. And I want to use the title for this, Peter's Encouragement to Discouraged Pastors. Peter's Encouragement to Discouraged Pastors. And you all know that I don't like... um, doing messages that uh, center around myself, all right? And so, but honestly, this message at this point is only really for like three people in the room, all right? Me, Seth, and Antoine, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But it applies to all of us, so, um, but let's take a look. Peter is addressing the topic of suffering in this book. And he takes time out to think about pastors. This is a job built on suffering. Listen to what he says in verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory, that does not fade away. Let us pray. Lord, again, we come before you uh, to look at your word. We ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts. I pray that you would give us all grace. Give me grace to, uh, as I bring forth your word, and also I pray that you would give us grace as we are hearing it. We thank you now for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when... Antoine started working, we started working together as, uh, for training to become a minister. And um, he said, is it normal that after you say that you want to go into ministry that all hell breaks loose in your life? (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) I was like, that's absolutely normal. It's absolutely normal, right? And so I had to give him this book to encourage him to let him know that it is absolutely normal. It is by God's design. And that is something that most people don't recognize is that being in ministry is a very stressful thing. Not only are you addressing the issues in your own life, dealing with issues in your family, but you also have to deal with issues in the lives of those people that you serve. There's a bunch of surveys that have been done uh, uh, over the last few years, but recently uh, dealing with pastors who are leaving the ministry, right? There's an estimate that about at least 1% of the pastors in America quit every single year. This one survey uh, tells of the struggles that many pastors are facing. It says 75% of pastors report being extremely stressed or highly stressed. 
90% work between 55 to 75 hours per week. I don't know who those people are because as one member told me, I don't know why you stress out. You only work two days a week. Yeah, I guess Sunday service and Bible study, that's the, that's the only time people think I work, I guess. 90% feel fatigued and worn out every week. 70% say they're grossly underpaid. 40% report a serious conflict with a parishioner at least once a month. 78% <laughs> were forced to resign from their church, uh, most commonly because of church conflict. 80% will not be in ministry 10 years later, and only a fraction make it a, li a, make it a lifelong career. On average, seminary-trained pastors last only five years in church ministry. 100% of 1,050 Reformed and ev Evangelical pastors had a colleague who had left the ministry because of burnout, church conflict, or moral failure. 91% have experienced some form of burnout in ministry, and 18% say they are fried to a crisp right now. 70% okay. of pastors say they have a lower self-esteem now than when they entered the ministry. 70% constantly fight depression. 50% feel so discouraged that they would leave their ministry if they could but can't find another job. 80% believe their pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. And 33% said it was an outright hazard to their families. 80% of ministry spouses feel left out and unappreciated by their church. 77% feel they do not have a good marriage. 41% display anger problems in marriage reported by the spouse. Okay, 38% uh, are divorced or divorcing. 50% admit to using pornography and 37% report inappropriate sexual behavior with someone in their church. 65% feel their family is in an hourglass. Okay. Then it goes on to just talk about uh, some, uh, some things about uh, pastors emotional health, right, um, and, and spiritual health, 53% of pastors do not feel that seminary or Bible college prepared them adequately. 70% do not have someone they consider a close friend. 50% do not meet regularly with an accountability person or group. 72% only study the Bible when preparing for sermons or lessons. 21% spend less than 15 minutes a day in prayer. The average is 39 p minutes per day. 16% are very satisfied with their prayer life, 47% are somewhat satisfied, and 37% are either somewhat dissatisfied or very dissatisfied. 44% of pastors do not take a regular day off. 31% do not exercise at all. Right? 90% <laughs> say they have not received adequate training to meet the demands of ministry, and 85% have never taken a sabbatical. Because of that, as I said, one percent of glad I got a case. One percent of, of of pastors quit the ministry every single year, and many of them would quit if they could quit, but they can't. <laughs> right. Um, now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because as as I read some of these surveys, the number one thing that pastors are experiencing is burnout. 
they're burning out because they're doing their preaching, counseling, and everything in between. <laughs> they are working <coughs> through disappointment and discouragement. Um, they are trying to keep things going uh, with limited resources, right? Um, many of, of them got into, uh, into ministry so that they could serve people and help people. And over the last two years, instead of being able to meet with people, they have had to become uh, uh, online personalities, right, and, and run online ministries that they were never designed to do, right? Um, and, and in the midst of all of that, they're struggling through a pandemic, political fights, and arguments over race, which is adding to their normal exhaustion in pastoral ministry. <coughs> now, George Bonner Research Group in January of, of 2021 did a survey of pastors, and then they did the same exact survey in, in August of 2021, uh, and they asked people in full-time ministry um, if they were feeling like they were ready to quit. And in January, 29% of pastors had said um, they ha are taking real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry over the past year. And when they gave the same survey in August, that number had jumped up to 38% who thought about quitting since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, um, this is something that many people don't recognize because most people aren't actively engaged in what's going on in ministry, right? Um, we, we come, we sit down, we listen, we leave, and we come back next week, and we wonder why people are stressed out. <laughs> but, but there's a lot that's going on that can stress out and burn out people who are in ministry. And so today I want to go through what Peter says here, which is an encouragement for those people who are discouraged. Um, I want us to first see that this is not something new. This is something that Paul himself and, and the, all of the apostles dealt with. I want you to really quickly turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We know that Paul frequently talks about all of the pain that he had gone through in ministry. He says that uh, they were frequently hungry, poorly clothed. They were... Uh, in, in fear of death in the sea and on land, in cities and everywhere they go, right? And notice here what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In spite of all of the things that we go through, right, we, we force ourselves not to get discouraged. Verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, 
but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I think what Paul is saying here is uh, he, he's addressing how he handles ministry versus how some people handle ministry. Some people get into ministry and they start off with the right heart, but then they become jaded and discouraged. And so what they tend to do is they then start to walk in craftiness. Right? They become deceptive in what they do. They handle the God, word of God deceitfully. They use it for their own gain versus to serve other people. Paul says, we, even though we're suffering, we're going through things in order to preach the word of God and serve God's people, we must not lose heart. In talking to his disciple Timothy, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy, we know that Paul had to regularly encourage Timothy. <laughs> we even know that he told Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Timothy, whose name means timid, <laughs> right? Paul had to regularly encourage him in several of his letters. Listen to what he told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. He says, as I urged you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Now, Paul, as we know, traveled around to different cities, establishing churches, and then he would oftentimes take men that he was discipling and he would leave them in those cities to continue to grow and develop the church. We know in the pastoral letters that he wrote to Timothy and to Titus, he tells them, you know, basically, you have to correct them, rebuke them, put them in their place. There, there must have been ongoing conflict that he was leaving Timothy and Titus to address. And Timothy was like, Paul, I'm out. I'm ready to go. And so Paul says, has to write him a letter and says, listen, I, I'm urging you, stay in Ephesus. Don't quit. Don't quit. We know that this is something that Timothy struggled with because Paul goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the what? Good warfare. That's something really to tell people. God has called you. This is going to be warfare. <laughs> but he says, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience with which some have rejected. Right. He, he's telling Timothy that this is going to be a struggle, but do not quit. Lastly, Paul tells Timothy in chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 
verse 14, he says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the elders. Timothy was about to neglect his ministry. He was about to quit and just walk away. And Paul had to write to him to encourage him not to quit. It is a difficult, hard ministry. Listen, I often say, say I try to tell to um, tell them, listen, your job is to make people do what they do not want to do. That's a hard job. That's a very difficult job. And it oftentimes becomes discouraging because people say, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. And then they don't. <laughs> right. It's a difficult job. But my encouragement to myself and also to, uh, to them is stick with the calling God has given you. It is worth it. Now, <coughs> the last scripture I want you to see is Hebrews chapter 13. Th this is actually not written to those in ministry. It's actually written to the congregation. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17 It says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I'll read that again. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Think about what I believe Paul wrote this letter, what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you should make sure that when you have those who are your pastors or your elders, those who are shepherding, those who are leading you, right, they are watching out for your soul. And they're going to have to give an account to God for how they shepherded and how they led you. You want to make sure that those people who are watching for your soul, they're able to do that with joy and it is pleasurable for them. And it is not grievous to them. That then I'm like, Lord, they calling me again. These people get on my nerves. You, you, you don't want your shepherds having that feeling. You know why? Because these are the people who pray for you to God. You want the person that is, that is, is praying, Lord, bless them and help them fix their marriage, fix their children, fix their job. Dude, you want that person to be excited when they talk to God. Like, God, Lord, I pray. Hmm. What should I pray? You want to make sure that when they're talking to God on your behalf, they're saying some very nice things. <laughs> because if serving you all is a grief, Paul says that's not profitable for you. 
that person's not going to go all in before God for you. You know, this year had, these past two years, I guess, has been very difficult. Uh, I have uh, at least two friends that I know that have either closed down their church completely, not like going online or nothing. It is like, I'm done. Or they have just resigned and turned the church over to someone else. Uh, and, 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 and I know that story is repeated over and over and over again because pastors are already dealing with, with exhaustion. And then you add to it all of the stuff that has happened since the pandemic began. Right. And I'll be honest with you. I thought about it, too. I was like, this might be a good time. <laughs> I told you, I had my plan. I was like, listen, my in two years, it'll be my 15th anniversary. I could be like, wow, I go out on a milestone, pass the church off to somebody younger. I'll still be a member. I'll come and sit in the pew every Sunday. You know, I come in and sit and do nothing like everybody else. <laughs> and Jeannie was like, you're really going to quit? I was like, no, I'm just complaining. <laughs> I'm just complaining. I ain't going nowhere. You know, I thought about it real serious. I was like, Lord, let me know if this is my time. You know. <laughs> But I can't do it because, first of all, this is what God has called me to, number one. And number two, I love you all. I know, right? And they be like, what he doing sitting over there? (laughs) 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 But the truth is, people really don't understand how much pressure there is in ministry, even with a small church, even with a small church. And what would you say? <laughs> and it is important that as pastors, we stay in carriage. Now, Peter, I believe, gives this encouragement in First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. I think that this would be uh, Peter's encouragement for um, everyone who feels like they're ready to quit, who feels, you know, under pressure uh, to switch to having church online because people are afraid of the pandemic. And then when you go online, they don't get online either. Um, (laughs) 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 This is the encouragement that Peter would give to pastors uh, who get multiple phone calls uh, the week before it's supposed to snow about, you know, have you made a decision about making church virtual even though it's supposed to snow after church is over? These are the the things I believe that Peter would say to pastors in those circumstances. He says, the elders who are among you I exhort. Peter starts this off, this whole section is an encouragement to those who are elders, ministers, pastors, bishops, those who are are serving in ministry. This is his encouragement. He is encouraging them. He knows the pressure they are under. He says, I who am a fellow elder. He's identifying with them. He's letting them know that I can feel your pain. We are all in the same boat. 
he goes on to say that he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was there. And he's reminding those pastors that you may be suffering, but Jesus suffered too. He is your example. And Jesus did not suffer for his own sake. He suffered for the sakes of other people, for the sake of other people. The same thing that he is calling us as ministers to do. And what Peter does here is he starts off by reminding every person in ministry, regardless of the pain, the suffering, discouragement, or whatever you're going through, he reminds you of your future. He says that we are also partakers of the glory that will be revealed. Peter is reminding those that are suffering, those who are in ministry that are discouraged, he reminds them that no matter what you face or go through now, you will share in Jesus's glory. The glory that he receives from the church. Now, after giving this first encouragement, he goes on to tell these pastors, these elders, what they are to do. And then he tells them how they are supposed to do it. Listen to what he says, and I'll go by each one. He says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. I think that Peter is addressing the, the pitfalls of ministry when people become discouraged. Sometimes when people are are discouraged, they start off with the right heart, but then they fall into one of these pitfalls. The first thing he tells these elders to do and not do is he says, do not serve under pressure, but willingly. Sometimes people are doing this because they feel they have to, right? They want to quit, but they can't get another job, so they have to stay. <laughs> right. Peter says that this is not a job that we should do under pressure. It's something that you should willingly do for God and also for his people. The second thing that he says is that we are not supposed to do it for money, but we are supposed to serve from a pure heart. You know, one of the things that is so sad is that there are so many people who are in ministry may not have started that way but they are in ministry uh, because they think of the financial gain that can be made I remember when I was out there I was probably about 19 years old and um, I was just licensed as a um, uh, as I, I became a lay minister uh, and then I was licensed at 21 and so in that time period I can't remember what year it was but I was talking to this this guy he's maybe about a year or so younger than me and and uh, we got licensed around the same time. And uh, he's, he said something to me. I'm like, what? He's like, man, I wish I could preach at y'all church. I know they take a big offering. And I was like, I said to him, bro, you too young to be off on the wrong track. <laughs> I'm like, you just started and you think about how much money you can make in ministry. That's wrong. Peter says, don't do it for dishonest gain. That's not why we do it. 
I would add anybody who gets in the ministry for money is they must be insane. They're either insane or they don't care about people. Because number one, this is not a job with two percent. This this is what people miss. There's only about two or three percent of all churches are mega churches. Right. We, we see them people on TV and be like, that's ministry. No, it's not. They only make up like three percent of all churches. 85% of churches have 70 or less people. That's us. We are the majority of churches, right? And if you really think that you're going into ministry to make a whole lot of money, let me tell you, go do something else. <laughs> or you better marry a teacher. <laughs> okay. He says, don't, don't do it for money. Don't don't serve for money. And he says dishonest gain, which means that you're doing something that you should not be doing in order to get that money. But he says you're supposed to serve from a pure and genuine heart. You're supposed to serve like Paul. Paul couldn't bring in money to in order to, to do ministry full time. So what did Paul do? Paul had to work during the day, and preach at night. Are you that passionate about the ministry? Number three, this is another thing that I think many people struggle with, right? All of the stories of spiritual abuse. Peter says, don't do it through manipulation and intimidation, right? Don't lord it over the people, but be an example to the flock. Sometimes we as pastors get so upset about the circumstances that we are in that we can resort to manipulation and bullying. If y'all don't give this money, God is going to curse you. Pound the table, be beat, beat you over the head. We resort to manipulation. Hold up your offering and say, Lord, I honor you with this. Peter says, don't, don't, don't manipulate people or bully people into doing stuff. He said the right thing to do is to be an example for the flock. You, we lead by example so that people can see our lives, and then we set the tone for what other people are supposed to do. You all remember when Jesus was resurrected and he met with the d- disciples, and Peter was discouraged. Peter was on the verge of quitting. He felt that he had, 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 had rejected Jesus, and he had done something so bad, there was no way for Jesus to ever forgive him. And what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says to him that this in, is in John chapter 21. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And what does Jesus say? Then feed my sheep. See, ultimately, our responsibility, as Peter says here, to shepherd the flock of God, the word, of course, this is where we get our word for pastor. It means to feed and to nourish God's people. 
shepherd the flock of God, serving as overseers, serving as bishops, those who are administering the work of the church. He says this is our responsibility. And if we are going to feed his sheep or shepherd his sheep, which means the same thing, feed, pastor, shepherd, same thing. It is the ultimate way of showing our love for Jesus. If we love Jesus, we will fight through the discouragement and the pain to feed his sheep. Now, Peter gives the last thing here. Again, he goes back to helping the shepherds see the rewards that they will have. Verse four, he says, after all the things that he tells pastors to do and not to do, he says, verse four, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And that's the encouragement. You get into ministry, it seems like all hell breaks loose. Keep looking to the future. (laughs) When the chief shepherd appears, he will give you the crown of glory that does not fade away. Jesus recognizes all the sacrifices that is needed in order to serve his people. And when he comes, he will reward you for those sacrifices. He will give you a reward that will last forever. Now, I know many people will say, <coughs> I'm trying to think, who, uh, this, I can't think of who says the song, but uh, in, the, in the song it says, that, you know, I'm just, I'm just living for the day to hear Jesus say, well done, right? And I'm like, man, listen, I, I feel like, I, I, look, I done blown it so bad. I don't, I don't even want to hear well done. I just, I just be like, you can come in. I'm like, that's good enough for me. I just like, <laughs> Long as I long as I can get in, <laughs> we was talking last night. It was like, listen, you know, on Judgment Day, I, it was like, just just let my judgment be like a closed door session. I'm just like, just you know, like let's go in the room and close the door, Lord. When you play back the video of my life, you know, I I, I don't know. I may not hear well done. I just want to get in. You know that it's debated. What is this crown of glory? Is it, a, is it an actual physical crown that, that we will receive, or is it so in some sense receiving eternal life or some aspect of eternal life? My point is this. I, I don't know what it will be. What I do know is Jesus knows how to reward his people. And whatever that reward is, it will make it all of the sacrifices worth it. And that's not just a message to, you know, to those who are, who are um, I'm trying to be in ministry. That's a message to all of his people. All of the sacrifices that we must make as Christians, God will make it worth it. He will give, not only does he, the Bible talk about giving, you know, ministers a crown of life. I mean, read throughout the New Testament in several places. He talks about all of the crowns and rewards that he will give his people for the sacrifices that they are making. God will make it worth it. Now, we're going to jump to uh, uh, finish up this chapter uh, next week. All right. Um, and, and so after this, um, I think that Peter gives us the key that connects his message 
to those in ministry in verses uh, five through four and then to the rest of the church at the end. He starts off talking about what is needed in all of us, both pastors and people, is humility. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. We'll finish up, hopefully finish up next Sunday, and then um, we'll be ready for the book of Revelation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to come into your presence and to hear your word. I thank you that you put messages in your word for everyone, regardless of where we are in life, whether we're in ministry or whether we are uh, um, being ministered to uh, and all uh, and everyone in between. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to all of our circumstances. We ask, Lord, that you would not only strengthen your people, but also strengthen the leaders of your church. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, fill our hearts with, uh, with joy. Help us not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, would help uh, even the people become more understanding of the, the stresses and strains that uh, pastors and ministers and elders are, are under. And I pray, Lord, that you would help the people to come alongside their leaders and, and, and bear up those burdens and strengthen them. Because uh, it, as uh, Paul says in, in Hebrews 13, <coughs> that uh, it's bad if a pastor is not able to serve with joy. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to uh, bless your people. We want to make sure that the g- gospel continues to spread around the world so that every man, woman, boy, and girl can hear the gospel and be saved. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen us, but give us all humility. That's the greatest thing that we need. Humble us under the mighty hand of God, because we know that in due season, you will exalt us. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um,